right now you make love forever, you make she's telling you right now what she's telling you That's what America wants, wants us to say right now. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not perfect. I have a lot of problems. You still love me though, right? You, you ain't gonna hurt me, right? That's what America sounds like to me. This song encapsulates what I think about right now what people sound like to me. Love me. Be, take care of me. It's about me, nigga. I told y'all episode one. I told y'all episode one. And now y'all gonna know what I told y'all. But I, I called it. I called it right down the middle. I told y'all niggas was tripping. And I'm gonna be here documenting this shit. So y'all can just have something to look back at and just peek in and be like, damn, okay. I'm gonna help y'all, all right. Y'all sick, y'all sick right now. Y'all need some, y'all need bad medicine. Bad medicine is the best medicine. We back, we back down on lockdown. I know that for sure, middle of June. One month of just trying to get back to normal and it just couldn't happen. Could happen. Could happen. People have problems over some fucking health issues. Don't tell me how to live and how to die. And we took that message too far. People just was and our people. I was like, white white folks, man. Y'all y'all's clever. Y'all are clever cats. 
Oh god, man. That's all y'all want. Y'all just want niggas to love y'all, man. Y'all have to figure it out on y'all own. Let's be real with one another. Y'all, y'all have to. This, this is real time. I, I was trying to help, and I'm still gonna help. This is a podcast to get you through things, and uh. Yeah. You know, some once again, it's always intended to be something that a lot of people can just like quiet storm shit. You know what I mean? You know, back in the '90s, where they had those radio stations, it was a little bit behind. A certain people's time dates date me, but I love Quiet Storm Radio, man. Late at night, that that shit, and then just some dude at the end of the night just talking to you, just rap a game to you every now and again, and then drop some fucking jams for the night to get you through the night. That that helped me get through a lot of sleepless nights. That was a big influence in this podcast, man. You know that Quiet Storm shit, that Kenny G. You know? Especially the single fathers, such as my dad, and uh, to be even more specific, based on my own experience, single black fathers, that's a rare, that's a rare childhood. I realize that as a man speaking to you today, or tonight, whichever you're listening to, and... We were just talking for a little bit. My dad goes, you know, into a little rap about uh, dollar cost averaging. You know, stuff that I wasn't privy to in the past. I was, you know, thinking about investing in some stocks, something like that. And uh, he helped me out a lot with, you know, understanding dollar cost averaging. Actually, to be honest with you, I haven't even had a chance to look it up. Dollar cost averaging. 
Dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy that aims to reduce the impact of volatility on large large pur- purchases of financial assets such as equities. Oh. By dividing the total sum to be invested in the market, $100,000, into equal amounts put into the market at regular intervals, $1,000 per week, over 100 weeks per se, that adds up to $100,000. Oh, okay, let me reread that. By dividing, it's done by, so, DCA's dollar cost averaging, by dividing the total sum to be invested in the market. So, like, if you're pushing $100,000 into the market out of your own pocket, into equal amounts put into the market at regular intervals. So, you put into the market, but it only goes out. You only put out $1,000 a week. You know, that will add up to a hundred thousand. <clears throat> the DCA seeks to reduce the risk of incurring a substantial loss resulting from investing the entire lump sum just before a fall in the market. Oh shit! Oh fuck! <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Now you. Now we all. Now we all know something. Now we all know something. Okay, that's that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's that's game. That's right there. I, I just taught y'all some game. I didn't even know that. All right, so dollar cost averaging is not always the most profitable way to invest a large sum, but it is alleged to minimize downsize risk. So it, it's like saying, okay, I'm going to give you $10. Or, yeah, I'm going to give you $10. But I want you to come back and give me a hundred dollars in fifty weeks, like <clears throat> just not not in interest. Just make wise decisions and give me a little cut of the money of the, whatever you make. And if not, then I just lost out on ten dollars. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know if i don't i just lost out of the ten dollars you became a billionaire but i just lost ten dollars out of the deal so that, so that's not bad okay all right that's 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 some game all right uh the technique is said to work in markets undergoing temporary declines because it exposes only part of the total sum to decline the technique is so-called because of its potential for reducing the average cost of shares bought. As the number of shares that can be bought for a fixed amount of money varies inversely with their price, DCA effectively leads to more shares being purchased when their price is low and fewer when they are expensive. As a result, uh, DCA possibly can lower the total average cost per share of the investment. Oh, okay. 
giving the investor a lower overall cost for the shares purchased over time. So it's you're not going to get all the money that you invested back, but you'll get you'll get, you'll have more than you, you will have more than what you've got, but not as much as you would have made on say just doing it privately. Which I kind of have a disagreement. My dad thinks public trading funding is the key. Now I'm just like, no private investing. Like none of this Robin Hood shit. I never trusted that shit. And that shit ended up fucking putting a lot of people in debt. Because a lot of kids thinking it's a fucking gambling game. And then they don't understand fucking keeping business business. And be like, oh fuck, you know, I might have to pay this back. And I understand. It's a new credit card. The the stock market is the new credit card. Like, we're millennials. We're figuring out the stock market right now. Like, the smart ones, you know. And I think that going into the future, we got to be more cognizant about investing. This whole Black Lives Matter movement is a perfect time to do that. And, the, and you know, we're ahead of the curve. We're ahead of the curve. But watch out, folks. I, 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 I don't think... I think everybody's operating on the old traditional model of business. I think they're doing it in a new way. I think that millennials problem is that and I'm a millennial myself so I I believe I'm guilty I am guilty of this Uh, but I think that millennials believe that we 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 are in this We're in a position to have to deal with a lot of shit. Uh, It's our turn right now. Millennials. We're the biggest demographic in the United States of America. Bigger than baby boomers. We, we, bigger than Gen X, Gen Z, all of them. We, we're the biggest demographic. It's us. We run the country. Millennials, look this up. This is science. This is fact. Uh, You can't sit here and tell me that money ain't going to be a problem. People are waiting on waiting on money. That's that's socialism to me. That's fucking socialism. That's just be that's just uh, that's just the sign of our time. That's our problem, millennials, is that we are the we culture. And now we're starting to live a me life. A me life meaning, okay, I gotta start looking out for me. But we've been and I've been I've been with me for years. Moved on my own. Did my own thing.
downside risk and shit, you know, trying to maximize the most of what I got with the least amount of risk doing the craziest shit that I can, that I was doing. Man, I was so bad with money, man. I had to... <laughs> I'm still learning. I'm still learning, but I, I, my dad, I, I just wanted to throw that nugget in there because you got to understand. I'll give you a little profile about my dad. My dad is what he always referred himself as a... Uh, a uh, a streetwise kid who wanted to be a book nerd. Who he always stayed in the books, always played sports. He's like all up in Washington, it was racist up there too. There's racism everywhere. <laughs> racism ain't never left. It's just exposed now. It's being recorded. It's like okay, now people are just being brave and just blatantly doing it. Just like well, fuck it. We it, since we here. Since we here, we out. I, I, I said I said that way back a couple of episodes ago, and I just hoped that I was just being the crazy man on the hill. You know, since <clears throat> since that time, you know, we've had riots we've had police buildings burned hangings everybody looking at everybody like who who's hanging these young all these young black boys are you know hanging themselves no no it ain't it ain't we just don't hang ourselves like that i ain't never met a black person who who thought about hanging themselves that's a white person thing. That's why I have. I mean, that's I'll, I'll Jeffrey Epstein. I, there you go. You can follow the trail down from there. I don't want to. He's a very dirty man, so and it's public record, so it's fair game. <clears throat> There's others in history. You know, Robin Williams, Dave, Dave Carradine, you know, all the, these, these cats, these cats hung themselves. It was just like, oh, it was just, a, you know, Chris Cornell <clears throat> from uh, Soundgarden and Audio Slave thing, you know, Th- these, these cats, these cats. All share the same share of being of European descent. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. So that's why I feel like in an alternate universe. Somewhere out there. For real. Somewhere out there. 
I really do believe <laughs> that if Donald Trump was the man that he wrote himself to be in the books, he would be that same man that he is today. And in an alternate universe, just in a lucky one, I believe we'd be the most prosperous country. But that nigga didn't want to be humble. He didn't want to think, even, even, even though we all know he cheated, I grew up a wrestling fan. Eddie Guerrero taught me that you can cheat and win. There's just a way that you got to do it. That's why, that's why there's so much corruption and stuff right now going on. Like, <laughs> it's exposed because everybody's just being exposed. Like, oh, well, I'm just, they're just being blamed about it and they're getting caught for it. And they get angry for it, and then they start popping off on shit. And I I believe that if you millennials, if you're learning about money, or if you're making money, and I have a few friends that are, uh, I'm 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 on the way different. <laughs> Let's just say that I'm on a way different tax bracket. <laughs> But I, 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 you know, I'm talking to you, so I'm trying, I'm trying. Uh, but every chance that I can get to understand and try to move money, I take that opportunity and I think you should too. You know, read books. The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. That's a great book. Uh, security analysis too. Uh, you know, you don't even have to read them. Just check in on them. Just be like, oh, I wonder if there's a subject in there that I would like. You know, take a quick read of them. They're good books. I recommend them. Taught me how to watch markets. And to be honest with you. I believe in the old saying, you know, you follow the drugs, you get to the drug dealers, you know, the cokeheads, you get you get to the streets, you get to the snitches, and, you know, the snitches get stitches area. But when you follow the money, you don't know where the fuck you're going to end up. I love that saying. That's such a true And that's why I follow business news more than anything, because money doesn't lie. I called the crash. Like, within a week. I remember me and my dad talking about it. And my dad was like, oh, shit, you, I remember you saying that. <laughs> I was like, like back in the summer of 2019, I was just like, I bet you it's going to crash right around my birthday, dude. Just, I just feel it. I just feel it coming. I don't know why, man. <laughs> and sure enough, man, within two weeks, within a week or two, it... The bond yield inverted. It's a, it's a, and whatever. And look at a volume. Uh, the bond yield. That's another important money tip about stocks y'all should learn about. Man, is bond yields. Yeah, it's great. It's great stuff for uh, investing and trying to uh, 
get yourself into the market. I see a lot of my friends trying to do that shit now. And I and I and I'm and I'm liking that. I'm proud of them. You know, they, we we're we're trying we're trying to make money where there ain't no money. But there's always enough money for somebody. And anybody could be that somebody. So let's all go get that. By doing the things that we're doing and what I'm talking about. Or, you know, you got your, you got a better way, let me know. I'm down to talk. I'm down to rapid taste and talk, talk about incremental trinity. <laughs> Man. I want to share something with y'all, though. And this is a pretty gnarly shit I'm about to share with y'all. I think I'm so paranoid today because of something that happened a couple of years back. It was my nigga Will, you know, the Ben Shapiro Jew, and <laughs> my the real nigga. I love Ben Shapiro. That's why I got, I call him that. I'm like, man, you. Mommy Ben Shapiro. I I disagree heavily with that man, but I I would love to have a conversation with him. I would love to have a conversation with him, and just and just talk politics. I I get on this fucking nerve. I get on this fucking nerve, dude. <laughs> I mean, I'm just bullshitting with y'all when I'm doing these, but this is like my Batman thing, you know. <laughs> You know, I'm just kind of freestyling, but when I, you give me a subject, I'll I'll be ready. I'll be ready. Uh, But in relation to that, my nigga Will, uh, long ass time ago, like when (laughs) I was going through my acid dropping days, uh, I was just chilling on the couch. And my, uh, I remember watching, and, and it's weird, I think he was always trying to fuck, he, he was trying to fuck with me, he was trying to fuck, I swear to God, I think he was, because he would, it would always seem like it was like the best thing, maybe it was the acid too, <laughs> but it was like always the best thing that, like, I've seen, and the two best trips I ever I have ever had. I've had a mental breakdown with acid. That was a horrible trip. But <laughs> but with uh what you call it? Uh with him um I saw the uh Sammy Gravano dinosaur interview when he just uh snitched on John Gotti. And that changed that interview changed my life like just just think about that. okay just in, in reference of today just think about Takeshi 69 and the bloods but as far as like the weight of the situation i which is very similar you know an organization is an organization. Bloods and Crips are organizations. I don't. I, I think I need to. They're they're the black versions of the mob, for black people. 
you know, y'all misunderstand them. You know, there's, it's, it's a different kind of mob, but it's a mob. And I, I feel the same way with, you know, any other gang, you know, the one percenters and the hell's angels to, you know, uh, you know, the, you know, MS-13, all of them. And I believe that the way those two things happened within the span of 30 years and they were the biggest things, people love drama. People love drama. America loves drama. It's a woman. America's a woman. So you gotta you kinda gotta have to look at people in the terms and look at the president. The president is a reality TV host. People want drama. That was what I think it was. I think it was just got born with Barack because Barack was playing it cool. Yeah. He had to do some gangster shit. Every president has to do some gang- gangster shit. He, he has every reason not to be likable. But at least this shit ain't happened during his time in office. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> the man can speak for himself. But I think, personally, that if you had to put the two together... Trump and his predecessor. History is going to, and I'm telling you, it's going to show up in the stock market. History is going to show what happened. And that's why I love history, because it, it's it's kind of like life. You see today, but you don't see the future. And if you focus on trying to see the future, you can kind of catch on to the things of today. And just be like, okay, I know what's going to happen. Boom, 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 boom. So, one of these acid trips that I had, my nigga Will comes in, he's like, yo, man, and he used to always kind of force me (laughs) to watch YouTube clips with, because it was all his shit, I mean, come on, y'all know what he is, so, (laughs) my nigga came out and was just like, hey, I'm gonna get... Have you ever heard of the Philadelphia experiment? I was like, what? Nah, man. What the fuck is that? Because he's from Philly. He's from the... I don't know. He's kind of like the Philly, Jersey area. That's the best way I can explain it. I don't know too sure, but he but he claims Philly. So, that's the biggest city next to where he's from. And, um... He was telling me about it, and it's some conspiracy theory shit. So I'm going to share a little clip for y'all, and I'm going to be right back with you, because I think I should drop this for y'all just to say, okay, I know now somebody else knows. And this guy's a fucking wizard. This guy is the creme de la creme of who I would like to call futurist. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
that's what essentially what he is. But uh, I'm gonna give you a little background about this cat. But I'm gonna let you hear this uh, tape, and I want to give a shout out to my man Will for showing me this tape, man. Be honest with you, dude. You changed my life showing me this shit. So you get the honor to actually fucking <laughs> be a dick whenever you see me and tell me, you know, oh, fuck, yeah, I told you that shit was good. I know that's who you are. Fucking want to rub that shit in my face, whatever, man. But I do appreciate it, man. It was some deep shit. I might actually interject. I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen with y'all. I'm gonna listen with y'all, but uh, yeah, let's keep it together, ladies and gentlemen. Without further in- introduction, <laughs> I've, I've been, I've been, uh. I've been, let's just say I've been, uh, (laughs) let's just say I've been a little, uh, let's just say times, times is stressing a nigga. So I had to, I had to chill out. (laughs) I don't want to implicate myself. (laughs) But without further ado, man, my man, Dr. Al Bielik. Our question for Al Bielik is to describe what you remember about those six weeks that you spent in 2137 and perhaps implications of that experience for our immediate future. Well, it's really what you just asked the question. It was really two parts, but I will give it to you in terms of the way you asked it, the first part. What is the implication of the six weeks there? Uh, detail, there's not a great deal of detail I can recall on that other than the fact that I was in a hospital bed for four weeks and in the hospital itself for another two weeks with Duncan in a bed adjacent to me. And this, of course, is after we jumped off the Eldridge. And uh, the first four weeks basically was physically recovering from the damage which had occurred which at that time little was known about this problem, but it is known now. If you go out into a space or even a hyperspace, there are all kinds of radiations out there which can be highly damaging to the body. And that's exactly what happened to us. We had no protective suits on, no protective clothing, and when we arrived in 2137, as they told us, we were in pretty bad physical shape, that we had been severely burned in our trip through hyperspace, space, whatever the term was they used. And uh, that I was recovering, put us back together, as it were. It wasn't physical damage in the sense of an injury. It was damage in the sense of radiation and what the radiation did to the physiology of the body. But while there, of course, watching TV, as it was TV, and they had in this hospital room TV sets, and uh, one for me, and I guess one for Duncan. Were they a little different than the kinds of TV sets we know now in the year 2000? Very little different. They were... Color TVs or screens mounted on a uh, swivel unit up on the ceiling so you could control the angle at which it was down and the direction in which it was swiveled towards you so it would be aimed straight at you. Uh, the sound could come out of the 
ceiling speaker or it can come from ear sets, uh, whichever you preferred. And uh, there was program selection. You had an automatic control for that, just like we have the remotes for today. Do you recall what TV programs you watched? <laughs> Mostly, I think what one would call current history for that time. Uh, news talk, <clears throat> historical stuff, geographical stuff, and... Uh, Soap operas, as we know them today, I don't recall there was a single one on the air. It was much more in the way of an educational channel than anything else. It wasn't entertainment, as I saw it. I do not recall that there was an entertainment channel, per se, because at first I didn't know where we were. I didn't know what had happened. And eventually I started seeing some very strange things on TV. I started asking questions. Now, a little bit of back log for this nigga Al Bielik was aboard the USS Eldridge now this was an old retired uh, World War II uh, testing ship and it was one of the uh, ships that was used in the Philadelphia experiment and the intended purpose of this experiment was to essentially create cloaking devices for uh Amphibious assault vehicles, such as a warship or, 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 you know, whatever, and be able to outmaneuver, essentially, the Germans and the Japanese. Well, I guess in the middle of testing, uh, this cat and another dude was on said boat, and they got caught in one of the jumps uh, that they were testing for the battlefield, and... Within this quick time span, this man traveled through eons of time uh, and caught glimpses and memories of those situations in the future. So, this is recorded in 2000. This is before 9-11 ever happened. This is before Bush was ever even... Let's just say this, Bill Clinton was still the president and Chuck E. Cheese was still the go-to pizza place at the time. I mean, Chuck E. Cheese is still around, but Chuck E. Cheese was Chuck E. Cheese back in the 90s. So this is just the turn of the century, Y2K. The only thing that happened by this point in human history at the time of this recording was Y2K. All right. So was it uh, still the United States? military that was controlling everything for the United States area or was it just the regional military at that point there's a little bit of both it was a residual of the United States military but it was more a regional military than strictly US government military did you meet any of the military people not that I can recall this time I don't believe I did first of all I never got out of the hospital until I made my famous trip to the next stop but while i was in 2137 i never got outside the hospital my view of 2137 was through the tv screen and other information was brought to me at my request so you never actually left the hospital did you no you're in it and were you right beside your brother duncan at the same time basically because we got up and wandered around the hospital building after we got well uh but we didn't leave the building we were sort of i guess one would say in protective custody 
So have you ever asked the question, were you really in 2137? Oh, I asked them the year. Yes, they said it was 2137 A.D. And uh, how can this be? Well, you came or brought to us, and we're not quite sure how you got here, but you were brought to us as found somewheres, and you were in terrible physical shape. You know, we treated you as a regular, ordinary patients with unknown origins. At that time, apparently, they didn't worry about, did you have Medicare, Medicaid, or the money to pay for it? This they was uh, already, already, shall we say, socialism of a sort. Mm -hmm. I did not inquire to that extent as to the uh, financial status, except that I did ask about banks and banking systems and financial status, and they said it was drastically changed. Yeah, there was still money, but it was not quite the same as it had been. And uh, banks were progressively curtailed from the amount of power that they once had. Did you notice anything different in the hospital, though, that would um, show that there was 137 years had gone by from today's date? Or did it look pretty much the same as today's hospitals? It looked very nearly the same as today's hospitals. The only thing I could say was that the medical treatment was much more advanced. Uh, they used relatively little drugs or shots. There were other types of techniques that were used. What they did give us in the way of medication was not anything we recognized. Of course, I'm not being a, I was not a doctor then or now, and uh, I wouldn't recognize by name many of the drugs and medications they gave us. But I know that some of that stuff bore no resemblance to anything that we use today. And they did make mention of that. And it says, oh, uh, the 20th century medicine, we don't practice that here anymore. <laughs> He says, we've gotten a little bit away from that, going ahead. They did use other types of therapy, which would come under the terminology today of uh, perhaps holistic medicine. Uh, perhaps one could say various vibrational treatments, light treatments. Uh, of course, if there was surgery required, they had those techniques available, much more refined than today. I did ask some questions in that direction. Uh, there was a city outside. But that was one of the things I learned in watching TV. Many of the cities that we know today didn't exist anymore. And some of them were in, in the status of, you might say, a museum being rebuilt as a museum rather than as a habitation. Did you get any feel for how many people were actually on the planet at yes, that time? Yes, I asked that question. I said at that time about 300 million on the entire planet. That's all? That's all. Now, did you just hear what this nigga just told you? This man pretty much, this is 20 years prior to what you're listening to tonight. I was, what, like 13 years old at that time. Didn't even know this existed until, like, I was 30. So about three years ago. And the fact that this man, to me, I believe the nigga. I, I, I'm just going to be real with you. I believe everything he has said. 20 years ago, and the man didn't live to see this shit go down. He died, like, I think, oh, like, 2003, 2004, something like that. But for him, and he, you know, he's kind of like, you know, uh, like on the David Icke kind of level of conspiracy. Like, I, I want to call him conspiracy theorist, but... I, I think he was smart enough to realize he was just an old man and he could play the cookie old man and be like, all right, if someone hears this story, maybe it could serve a message to somebody else. 
So I believe him. I believe like everything. I don't have to add anything to it. This is what love me does. Love me. Don't hurt me. You know, make sure you're there for me. Shit. Get you, get you a different geographic map of America. That's what it gets you. It gets you fucked up because people love to hurt people they love. We're all guilty of that. We hurt people that we love because it's easy. They love us. Regardless if we love them or not. So, my man's sitting here saying, I woke up, I'm in the hospital, shit looks different, and it's not good. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, he doesn't, and you get the hint, he kind of, he just kind of, he's just getting the feel of where he's at. He's like, you know, this is weird, like, this, I'm alive, like, it's me, but it don't feel like, it don't feel like I'm here, like, I, I don't feel like I'm home. That's what it feels like right now to me in 2020. It just feels like I see America, but this is an America that I saw coming, but I just didn't think it was going to come. And I was like, nah, I can't, not us. It ain't, nah, nah, we're better than that. I've been through 9-11. We, we, we really got together on 9-11. I guess that shit went out the window, man. I don't know. In the United States, less than 100 million. It's about 50. And what happened to the 6 billion that are here today? That is something that I never got a fully straight answer to, but they told me this, that between the World War III, disease, famine, breakdown of government, lack of transportation, the total collapse of finance, uh, wars with the aliens, the fact that certain alien groups uh, arrived and uh, were rather carnivorous, they liked human flesh, uh, there was a great deal of problem in the big cities. Most of the inhabitants wound up being, uh, shall we say, grist for the tables of the uh, aliens while they lasted. They did not last that long. They were eventually run out, destroyed, or what have you. But By not who? Who, who By the uh, military of the United States and the militias also. The militias got involved heavily in the act. The U.N. attempted to fight some of this for a while, but they, apparently they were overwhelmed also. And eventually the U.N. was uh, troops and such. Or the, let's say the U.N. Uh, agenda, as we understand it right now of this year, uh, fell by the wayside. There was no longer any attempt to make a one-world government, so there wasn't enough left to make a one-world government of. Well, you, you know, it's kind of interesting because we always think of the, the aliens as having technology that is so far advanced of ours that if they want to, they could basically do whatever they want to do. It seems like as up to this point, 2000, they're in a fairly passive or behind-the-scenes role. But you're saying that the, we, the U.S. military actually developed technology to beat them. We have all of the technology that most of the aliens ever had because there was a lot of cooperative effort between 1954 and the year 2000. And we back-engineered not only their craft and their drives and their weapons, <coughs> excuse me, but we also, perhaps one could say, forward-engineered from the knowledge we acquired of the alien approaches 
to weapons and weapon systems. We forward engineered a few of our own. And uh, as an example, as of now, that is the year 2000, we have particle beam weapon systems, which I might note were first noted and developed by Nikola Tesla back in the 30s, about 1935. And without going through the long history of how we came back into it, what he started out with is a basically medium power device today that is in the last 10 years has become an exceedingly high powered weapon where they can aim, aim it from the earth out into space and with one of the systems I am told they have today they can quite literally punch a hole through a moon on Jupiter and have done so as a demonstration or a test for the benefit of outsiders who might have the idea that they can come to earth and conquer us and get away with it rather readily the day was and they could not anymore today. So what year did you get the sense that all the problems started? Approximately between 2003 and 2005. The, at that time, well, the brief history that I acquired at that time, meaning in 2137, indicated that the New World Order was consolidating quite heavily their gains and their control over the planet. But something went wrong somewhere. Somebody uh, blinked when they shouldn't have or whatever it was, but suddenly erupted a war, uh, which was basically between, as I understand it now and remember what they told me, between the Russians and Chinese on one side and the U.S. on the other, and also the you know, Europe essentially on our side. It was an unprovoked attack without per with very little warning or no warning. It hit several American cities, and we retaliated. Was it a nuclear attack? Yes, it was a nuclear attack on the ICBMs, full bore. And whether it was a case if they were allowed to hit us first, as Clinton has said in the current era while he's still president, that if there is such an attack ever occurs, we will fully absorb it. Instead of trying to fight it out in space and prevent it from getting here, his intent is to let it hit here. That's part of the plan. Uh, in any case, they did. They wiped out a number of cities, and we retaliated because we have thousands of the missiles. They're all over. I, have, I do not know where they all are, but I know that many of these silos, which have been deactivated, is the tip of the iceberg. We have so many thousands of missiles buried all over the United States and Canada and other locations that could knock out all of the known sites, which, of course, I'm sure the Russians and Chinese know. The sites we still have in reserve would be well enough to wipe them out. Did you uh, ever hear who was the president at the time that this attack happened? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't think I ever asked. Um... Donald Trump or Joe Biden? That's it. That's who's going to be president now, nigga. Let me fill in that question for you right now. Whoever president is going to be president if we even make it there. <laughs> Man, we'll make it there. We'll make it there. We'll make it there. But we 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 don't have to take a couple of lumps and bruises on the way there. Just to let you know. But that's that that part is the part I'm preparing for. This is inside stuff that you guys are getting. I, I, I don't think a lot of people understand where this information comes from and who did this. But it's out there. It's recorded. We're listening to it together right now. Like, 
words carry. Words carry. You hit the right ears. They're going to, they're going to, your words are going to get passed along. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say, dude. If I remember right, that was one of the complications that occurred at the time. The current race between uh, Gore, Bush, and of course the Independent Party, Reform Party candidates, Buchanan. I remember correctly, it wound up in the House. The House had to resolve it. Had to resolve the election? Yes. Because it was not 266 electoral votes for anyone. They were split three ways. And eventually, I believe they did, I think they did pull Bush as the closest to winning, and they gave him the honor, if you will, of becoming the president. That's my vague recollection now, but it was from that point on things started to come unglued because uh, I know from current politics, Buchanan would not tolerate any of the things that were happening now in terms of the UN and certain other aspects. Bush was thrust into it, and he became very upset when he found out what was really going on behind the scenes. He was not fully primed by either his father or anyone else. He was left in ignorance until he actually became president. Until you become the president, you're not privy to an awful lot of information, which only the president has, and he doesn't get it all either. But in any case, uh, things became very unstable from that point on. From the point of the actual election? From the point of the final election results and the fact that... Uh, the presidency was a little bit rocky from that point on. The government became unstable, and then about 2003 came the war. And then in that same time period, about 2003 on, whether or not the missile attacks triggered part of this or not, I'm not sure, but the earth changes, which have been threatening to hit, started to hit with a vengeance. For the period of about 2003 to, they said, about 2012, there was a series of Hervey earthquakes and other earth changes, which drastically changed our coastlines. What, uh, what, what do you think actually caused these earth changes? It's very hard to answer because I don't think even a geologist could answer that properly. Uh, they were eminent in the sense that certain of the geographical formations, such as Area 51 in Nevada, is known now to be unstable. Uh, certain areas in Italy are known to be unstable. We've gotten that feedback from somebody who had been over there, shall we say, dealing with the Vatican for a possible removal of all of their records to a much safer place. They said that the infrastructure underground is starting to crack. And they said, we know it's going to go, and we don't want to lose the records. Under the Vatican? Under the Vatican. Uh, as a matter of the records, because I talked with one of the person who made the tour at the invitation of the Vatican and the Pope to see what they are talking about in the terms of preservation of records. He saw what they had. 18 miles of underground records and storage. Miles. Everything from Atlantis on back as well as everything from the point of Atlantis forward. They so, have it. Yeah, I believe 60 Minutes actually did a uh, special where, where they got inside on some of that. Yeah. And were able to be shown some of that, but yes, it just goes on and on and, and on. And on and on. It's, it's a well-known fact. It's a fairly well-known fact. It's not too well-known. Only one, one friend of mine actually saw the whole nine yards of it and was given the, specifically the tour to evaluate, can you handle this? And he was told that they wanted to move this stuff out of there. They had hoped that he would do it, and he said he was interested in doing it on an interactive basis. 
that whatever files and records were put into storage would be made available on computers. They did not disagree with that. But the problem was the, the logistics and the money. Damn. Like, my man sat there and called the 2000 election right down the middle of the way he said it was. Remember, this is before it got to the... He died... I won't... I, he he did this, but once again, he died later. So he probably was just like, I told y'all, and no one gave his fuck about it. But now, the things leading up from that point on... uh it just lines up with what my man was saying the whole time. And when I saw that, my mouth is probably, my mouth was, I just, it was just dropped to the floor. I was just like, holy fucking shit. Like, everything that he said happened on similar events up until that point in my life. And... It put things in perspective. Uh, later on, he talks about the year 2025. And I would highly recommend uh, checking out the rest of this video. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, just look up Al Bielik. Uh, That's going to be, I'm looking it up. Uh, B-A-L-Al and then Bielik, B-I-E-L-E-K. And then it would be something called Albelic Journey Through Time of Albelic from uh, 2137 and 2749. And to be honest with you, what you just heard was probably a snippet, like maybe 20 minutes worth of like an hour and a half. And it, it, it gets crazier and even more logical. And it ends up essentially we live in a dystopic future according to his travels. Now, I'm not a conspiracy nut, but I like when it, when it's logical, I, 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 why not believe it? And everything that that man has said in history of events, just look through the events. Iraq war, Afghanistan war, 2003. 2003 to 2012, we were bombing niggas. Iran, all that shit, and we were doing underhand shit in between. That was the whole thing about the swamp. Let's get to clean out the swamp. Didn't know they were just throwing in the man that would fucking overflow the swamp, but hey, that's neither here nor there. And now we're teetering towards Civil War. You know, militias running around rampant. Protests going off left and right. People still trying to find a job or not get sick. A lot of people got a lot of problems right now. And we being those people, remember, I hate people. Can't stand them. But as individuals, we can make things better. By just listening to people like this nigga. I'll be like, he might be a crazy old kook. But that crazy old kook has called a crazy fucking life. And 
we've seen it the last six years, seven years. We've all seen it. Shit got crazy. Shit got, shit got brazy. That's how bad it got. <laughs> I just wanted to hit y'all with that, you know? And, uh, I know it's hard. We all sweating. We don't know what's about to happen in America. I, I I think things like lessons like tonight, just being able to hear somebody out, learn something for somebody. Listen. Listen to one another. How about that? This is another Midnight Podcast.
right, they got to make a quick break out of here. But before I go, I just wanted to give y'all a little bit of information as usual. What you just heard was Krongbin's uh, Friday Morning off of their 2018 album Con Todo El Mundo. Um, shout out to Texas, man. Great band from Houston, Texas. Uh, you know, I always got to show love for my home. You know, And if anybody I could put on from Texas can get put on, I'm going to put them on, so... Shout out to Krongbin. Hope I'm not saying that wrong. I love y'all's music. And at the top of the podcast, that was Tina Marie. Uh, the great Tina Marie. The great late Tina Marie. And that was Portuguese Love. Um, And I just want to make sure that I got the right album for it because I don't want to butcher her great discography up. Um, but yeah, this comes from the 1981 album, It Must Be Magic. Uh, her la- Actually, a little tidbit, she was actually on Motown and that was her last and some considered her, her best Motown album. So give y'all a little taste of that. So. Shout out to Tina Marie. Rest in peace. Shout out to Krongbin. Keep doing what y'all do. And uh, if you enjoyed tonight's podcast, you know, the usual. Check us out on Facebook at Standard Labs MPO. You can also check us out on Instagram at Standard Labs. You can also find us uh, through email. Want to reach out? Talk to me. I'm lonely. Love me. <laughs> Midnight Podcast Club at gmx.us. That is Midnight Podcast Club at gmx.us. And if you want to show your support, drop a voice message and, you know, donate, you know, contribute towards the project at Standard Active Laboratories, which supports and promotes performance arts, health, uh, public health education and grassroots initiatives, you know, so things such as this podcast that you're listening to, uh, you can drop a line of donation or you know, a voice of support at anchor.fm slash midnight podcast club. That's anchor.fm slash midnight podcast club. I don't think I forgot anything. Oh yeah. A little t- tidbit about uh, tonight's podcast. I kind of butchered up the recording. I, uh, I recorded this a little earlier in the week before I got to this point. <laughs> so uh me doing this part, you know, the closing part is a couple of days ahead of me actually doing the recording for the podcast. So I might have missed a chunk of through the editing and all that. I might have missed a chunk of information <laughs> in the middle of, you know, 
I'll be like explaining his crazy ass trip. Through the annals of time, 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 time. So, my bad if it sounds a little choppy. Uh, but I try to make it seamless to where you wouldn't notice it. But I ain't just going to, I just could, I, it was just bothering me because I know I recorded the part. And it was really my fault. I just messed up in the middle of recording. I wasn't thinking. I think I did something to chop a track and dumped it somewhere on the computer. But I don't know. (sighs) You live and you learn. All right, guys. Y'all have a good rest of your week. Rest of your month. See y'all later in the summer. I'm going to take a break from y'all niggas. Y'all niggas getting on my nerves. And uh, I'll be back with some more stuff for y'all. Go take a bath. Good night.